Opinions unqualified. And Sammy, I did that in the first take. Uh, second. It definitely was second. You did have a little uh, test uh, before, um, but it's all right. Um, it will be interesting to see whether anyone can actually find out what that sound is. Do you know, I think if you're a trader, you know what that is straight away. I think you hear it and you're like, I, I know exactly what that is. We should have a secret sound segment at some point. Yeah, if Sean Turn did his job, yeah, um, and uh, that would help out great greatly. We are, could probably forgive the Sean Turn today though, because he had eight hours of tattoo work done or something. Yeah, so um, that's a pretty full-on day. Yeah, I wonder what it's like. I'm um, tattoo virgin, so. Um, me too. I have not got any ink on me, and I think I like it that way. But who? What would? What would make you want to get eight hours of tattooing? <laughs> done yeah I don't know It'd be interesting I've heard it hurts yeah, yeah we'll find out anyway today we've got a really really special guest now I sort of have to say that because he's family um, but um, it's probably our highest profile guest at this point I think it'd be a, a definitely a close to the highest profile guest we've, we've had at this point so we're very privileged to have TV personality um, he says TV presenter I'd say TV personality um, <laughs> Chad, uh, who's my brother-in-law. So, Chad Nalon, very happy to have you on board. Thanks, boys. This is fun. We're, we are broadcasting from a garage next to motorbikes. If I could do every show that I ever did next to motorbikes, I'd be super happy. Well, if we knew a little bit more about motorbikes, we'd probably <laughs> talk about them. Um, so I think we might get, uh, get uh, Johnny, your, your dad, my father-in-law, on one day. Um, and, uh, Don't. Try about- <laughs> if, you, if you appreciate your 45-minute runtime, yeah. you wouldn't do it. Yeah, 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 good point. Yeah, good point. Um, so, yeah, very, very happy to be here. It's a unique situation. We're not usually in, uh, in the in-law shed, but we're, we're here today. And <laughs> it is It is the first time, and it's sort of testing... The uh, we're totally mobile we are, we are recording a mobile, system. Mobile podcast. We're a mobile podcast. <laughs> I, I, could we be the world's first? Surely. Let's just claim it. Let's claim it anyway. Our next promo will be opinions unqualified. The world's only mobile podcast. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's All right, cool. <laughs> anyway, so Chad, very happy to have you on here. Um, what I wanted to, to obviously you're you're working in in TV. Um, yeah. We see your face, and that's probably... We see your face more on TV than in person because you do live on the other side of the country at this point in time. Um, but what interests me about you probably more than anything else is that you're a young man and you love motorsport. And a lot of the people uh, that I, I associate with are more, you know, Aussie rules or cricket or, you know, the mainstream sports. How, how would a kid get into to, to motorsport and, and what drove you to be so passionate about it and, you know, want to mm. be involved in it? Um, well, it's two questions, isn't it? I, firstly, my story was grew up with family members who raced. Uh, you've met my auntie Kathy. She yep. raced motorcycles uh, back in the 80s and 90s, which is super cool. Yes. Uh, so we started just going down when I was a little kid to watch my auntie race. And then through that, I wanted to go to the Speedway with my dad and, you know, Friday night at Claremont. And I think my parents cottoned onto the fact pretty quickly that that's what they could use over me to make me do anything that they wanted me to do was, you know, if you're good, we'll take you to the Speedway. If you're good, we'll take you to the Drags. If you're good, we'll take you to, you know, see Peter Brock race when he comes to Wanneroo, all that sort of stuff. And so the bug happened really early and it never left. Um, with other kids getting into it, it's a, it's a two-part thing. It's one, you know, you don't have to be a race car driver. Everyone goes, well, if you're into motorsport, you'd be a race car driver. But there's so many different elements to it, whether it's just being a fan uh, like myself, working in the media, which is what I was lucky enough to go and do. Uh, but also, there's actually university degrees 
here in Western Australia that can lead you into a career in motorsport. So engineering uh, and motorsports engineering in, in uh, particular, which is done at Edith Cowan University. So yep. you can now study to have a career in motor racing, which is really cool. Did you know that, Sam? No, I didn't know that. And also, I, I can tell Chad is a seasoned veteran as a TV personality because the way he speaks is just... <laughs> I'm just sitting here in amazement, just like, wow. Yeah, yeah. Chad knows how to speak real well. I'm working on it. <laughs> it's work in progress. Work in progress. So you obviously got into the TV side of things and, and you studied in, in Perth yep. to, to get into that. Um, like a lot of things, I've, I've heard stories about you going and commentating at, at speedways for, for free and drags for free to try and make your way in the industry. Is that how most people would, would do it or some people just lucky enough to fall into paid positions? Or uh, The very lucky few are lucky enough to land a gig where you get paid straight up. I get heaps of messages from uh, teenage kids on Instagram going, oh, how did you get into it? Did you study? Where did you, you, know, where did you get your first go at things to get to where you are? Um, and I always suggest, absolutely, if you can go into a broadcasting course, great, but you don't have to. Uh, but absolutely, step one should be find whatever your closest racetrack is, whether it's drag racing, speedway, circuit racing, rally, doesn't matter, and ask, can I have a go? Can I get on the microphone? Uh, offer your services for free. Eventually, that'll turn into a little bit of money. I think my first gig I did at the Perth Motorplex, I got a $40 fuel voucher to Caltex. And I was just like, that's the best thing ever. I would have done this for free, you idiots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Filled> anyway, <up. laughs> that $40 was enough to get me there and back. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah, exactly, all the way to Quinana. Yeah. And then I, I met other people who were like, no, mate, you can invoice for this and you can charge like money for this. And it was just mind-blowing to me that people could get paid for it and you can turn that into a career and, and actually you know, take that step. But the, the best way to always do it is get your miles somewhere where you can do it for free. Yeah, and I, f- I found that with the WNBL commentating, it's all it's all volunteer, but yep. it's it's really enjoyable. And and you've obviously got it, but there's a real you get a real buzz, you know, about being involved, and you feel like you're a part of a part of the game. So yeah, you know, I can I can see how people get hooked. Oh, and it's privileged access. Like you become close with the the guys that used to idolize as a kid watching them that now they know your name which still blows me out like a guy like dick johnson who was just like my hero growing up it blows me away that him and his wife and his kids know who i am like that it's fascinating to me um and it all came through working in the media and having that opportunity to go and chase uh, a gig like that so it's the same with you. you you get behind the scenes you, you get into the locker room you have the ability to just see behind the veil that no one else gets to see which is which is really cool. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And just to see people at that level, they're at the highest level in their sports and just the time and energy and commitment and passion towards their, uh, I guess, you know, their job because they've, they've been lucky enough to, to cause it. And I want to talk about, you know, that, that passion in, in something else we're going to talk about a little bit later, but I think it's pretty, pretty exciting. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, you mentioned Speedway. Yeah. So when I was a kid, I grew up in a country town, as most of our listeners know, and we have a speedway track in our town in Collie, and and we'd go there on a a Saturday, and we'd probably hear the speedway from our house, like so we'd be sitting at the back. That would kill me. That would would be torture to me. (laughs) And then when we had an opportunity to go, we we'd go, and it was a really really big. a big event yep. uh, in the town. So people would go, a lot of people would go, you'd have kids from school, oh, you're going to Speedway this week and you'd end up going. But I feel like probably over the last 10 years, I haven't heard a lot about Speedway mm. like in general. Like, is that a dying sport or is it just something that's sort of done behind the curtain? I think uh, 
it's definitely not dying. The participation numbers are through the roof. Yes, crowd numbers in some spots around the country might be a little bit down, but you'd be amazed if you went down to Quinana where the motorplex is to a reasonably big night down there on a Saturday. It used to be Friday night, a speedway night. Now it's Saturday nights. Uh, you'd be blown away with the, the, a, the amount of people that are buying tickets to go there and then the sheer amount of investment down in the pits from guys who have millions of dollars worth of equipment that they're pouring into it. So it's a huge, huge industry, um, speedway alone. And the cool part about it is, like you're from Collie, every little country town seems to have one you know so that's what's been really really cool about it but yes it doesn't seem to have that massive pizzazz about it that it used to it might be as simple as being there's just so much entertainment available to people anytime you want it i think in the 90s it was like well speedway's on tonight and nothing else is open so let's go and you pull a crowd for it where you know in sydney you could have you know jimmy barnes playing an rsl on friday night and that ruins your crowd numbers like it's as simple (laughs) as that there's just so much competition for a paying spectator to come in through the gate these days but the product has got better from what it was so the product's gone up maybe crowd numbers slightly gone down uh, but the investment that's in the sport is still huge and it's an awesome night out if you ever go to it yeah it's so much fun and just the way just the fearlessness of those drivers and oh yeah you know you see what they're driving and they look like carts that they've built in their backyard yeah. and they're running around this track at you know ridiculous speeds and you just thought man that's insane i actually think there's a little bit to do with the advertising of it because we always saw the advertising in the country we had two channels it was gw and a win and it was on the ad was on both channels so you always saw the ads for the speedway could miss it so you, yeah you couldn't miss it yeah. at all and i think people have gone to pay tv and, and you, they're, they're bigger companies now you don't actually see those local community ads that you used to see you know, all the time? Yeah, well, they've got to spread their dollar a bit further now across free-to-air television, pay-per-view TV, newspaper advertising, radio advertising, digital advertising on, you name it, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is. And that's really difficult now to try and target where where is that one market going to be for them that they can find uh, paying spectators. But it's not just them, it's everyone trying to everyone's trying to squeeze in that message that they're, they're on this Saturday and, you know, tickets are 20 bucks. Yep. Um, and it's very, very difficult to get that message out. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we've got a quite a large audience base now, so surely... Give it a plug. We've got plenty of room, you know. <laughs> 45 minutes yeah. left if you need. Yeah. <laughs> um, what I wanted to talk about, you see, so, Chad, you're a, you're a big superstar. Sort of like, I think in our family, you'd, after me, you'd probably be the, the, the most famous. <laughs> no, um, I, my cousin's got more Instagram followers than I do. She's a publicist uh, for the West Australian, and she has like... Five times the following that I've got. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. That's I, I didn't yeah. even know that. I'm not big on socials. <laughs> yeah. I probably should I'm not be even the most famous person in my family. Yeah. Like. <laughs> so I'm just saying that that famous people, you always think famous people or people that, that have a, like a higher profile get special treatment. Now, we found out in the last 12 months that yeah. that's not the case. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I don't know a, a single person on this earth that's quarantined more than you in the last 12 months, which has completely sucked and, mm. and it's really... Um, I will put it this way we've had um, my, my wife Jacinta who's been on and we've spoken about before we've had her in tears a couple of times because she hasn't been able to see you uh, for the last 12 months uh, but that's not the, the story um, it's more about the quarantine itself so you've quarantined three times in three different states yes I did hotel in New South Wales I stayed at my house in Melbourne for two weeks because I got back from New South Wales and then I came to the great state of WA and uh, they locked me up three hours after I landed. <laughs> All right, so if we were to make a, a, a quarantine checklist, for, like a survival oh, yeah. checklist, 
Now we've just thrown this at you. We haven't. We haven't pre. Oh no, I can go on this. Yeah, I'm so, ready. Um, <laughs> I would. I would love to know what your quarantine survival checklist is, and maybe we'll have two scenarios. So scenario one is is you're by yourself in a hotel, which yep. you've done, and then scenario two is at your home with your son, and you you need to find things as well. Yeah. Oh, that they're different, aren't they? Yep. The first one, the ho- the hotel one, was kind of easier because I didn't have a kid there to worry about, and I could do whatever I wanted for two weeks. So for the first week, I was like, this is a holiday. But the problem is you've got to take everything with you. Yep. So you can't just like, you don't have everything lying around the house. If I could tell anybody, well, there's two things that you need if you're going to go into hotel quarantine. One is uh, you can hire gym equipment, which I didn't realize until I got in there. Um, so I had a, a spin bike delivered, which helped. So I, I did like 14 hours of just cycling in my time inside, which is cool. Because your legs just like, you just don't use them. Yeah. Um, and you can get weights delivered or I think you can even get treadmills delivered if you're into running. Like 100% do that because you just waste away with two weeks of no movement so quickly. The other thing is take an HDMI cable. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I took yep. two because I was lucky enough to have an apartment instead of a hotel. So there was a TV in the, uh, you know, a TV in the lounge room and a TV in the, in the bedroom. And I could hook up a laptop to the TV no worries, got my Netflix, got my up to sport sorted, got KO sorted, Disney Plus sorted, whatever I wanted, I could watch it. Always take an HDMI cable. That's the first thing I'd say about going to a hotel. Okay, all right. Yep. That's a good thing about the uh, Amazon Fire Stick. Pretty much. Yes, same. true, true. Yeah. And it, yeah, again, you can sort of, if you've got a Google Chrome, I took Apple TV with me and that was a pain in the ass because I couldn't get the thing to connect to the hotel Wi-Fi oh, yeah. uh, yep. and I forgot the remote. So that was good. So, <laughs> so I had no way of using it. Yep. Uh, I somehow managed to get a new remote delivered to the hotel. You can get anything delivered to a hotel. Oh, wow. Yeah, believe it or not. So, when, so you obviously when you pay for your quarantine, you have to pay for your quarantine. Yeah. You, you go there. Yeah, about $3,000. Yeah. Foods included? Yeah, but I wouldn't eat it. <laughs> yeah. And that's really the next thing. We talk about yeah. food a lot on this. Yeah. What sort of food were you dished up in your hotel? Uh, airplane food is the best way I can describe it. Oh, wow. Yeah. I couldn't live two weeks on airplane food. No, I barely live a day on it. I don't want, you know, I hate complaining about food because there's so many people who would just love a meal like that yep. around the world. Uh, but in that scenario, if you are available and have the chance to get your way out of that by using Uber Eats or anything else, you can do it get your coffee delivered from the cafe across the road. There's always ways around it. Obviously spending more money than what your three grand is. I don't know where that $3,000 goes. Yep. The hotels outsource the, uh, the food to a different company, a caterer, and yep. they come and deliver it. So you can't order room service. You can't just use the hotel food, which seems weird. So it's, I think it's actually handled by the government, at least in New South Wales, it's handled by the government. But the food is rubbish. Uh, but you can get... <laughs> If you were lucky enough to get a little kitchen like I did, you can cook your own food. So you get a Coles delivery. No worries, got a fridge. So that, I was lucky because yeah. I had such a good room. Uh, but if you were just in like a little one bed bedroom with no, you know, area, I had a balcony, I had a fridge, I had a stove top. Like I had 99% better than anyone else had, I think, for the hotel stay. So I was super lucky. Yeah. So if you're at, at home, so you've done that yep. as well. I've done that. Um, what what would be the key things in, in that scenario? Uh, it's tough with a kid, obviously, because you just all day, every day, you're just trying to keep them busy. Uh, you can't take them out to a park. You can't go to the playground. You can't do all the things that you would just normally do. Um, I, I wish I had one bit of golden advice. Try your best to do whatever you can to get energy out of them yeah, so they at least sleep. And then when they're asleep, you can have slight minute of sanity in your life where you can go and do it that's the other weird thing is um 
thankfully, uh, we had a house where I was able to quarantine away from the rest of my family. So my girlfriend could still take my kid out of the house so they could go and still see people. I know, you, I see you rolling your eyes going, how the hell does that work? Yeah, that's what's so weird about quarantine. You can go to a house and stay there. You have to stay there and technically try and stay away from everyone in the house. Good luck policing it. And then hope that the other members in your house haven't got it off you because they're totally free to still go to work, still go to Coles, still do everything like their normal life. And if it, everything's true that it stays on surfaces for 12 hours, it's pretty, yeah, right? pretty, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty hard yeah. to avoid touching the same surface yeah. as someone for 12 hours when they're sharing a residence. How funny is this, right? So I'd been, I spent four days between New South Wales and Victoria before doing my quarantine because I hadn't been told at that stage by the Victorian government. And then Saturday afternoon, got the text, go get a test, you got a quarantine. Now I've been sharing a bed with my girlfriend and we've been in the house together and all this. I'm in a car with her, driven to go get the test done. And the, the people who administered the test are like, well, you need to go home. You need to stay there for the next 10 days. It's like, sure. And they said, um, make sure that if there's someone with you, that they sit in the back seat of the car. <laughs> I kid you not. I was like, oh, cool. That's definitely going to, you know, that's going to help a lot, guys. <laughs> like just the silly things that have come up from it. We shouldn't complain because clearly Australia has handled it excellently on the world scale. But yeah. man, there's been some monumentally dumb parts of it. Like my 11th day test here in WA Six out of the seven locations for, for people from interstate to go get their tests are hospitals. So they're sending the people, people yeah, where the sick people are and the elderly and they're sending people to hospitals to go and push the buttons in the lift, hold a door open for the old lady, which is actually what I did the other day, push the parking meter buttons and then go get your coronavirus test and just hope that it's negative because you just got a hospital shut down if it isn't. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, that's, in, that's insane. Yeah. I know when um, the New South Wales one, when they got told to get tested. Um, I try to take a shortcut through and they're doing it at uh, uh, Neil Hawkins Park. I don't know what I said on the pod yet, but there was like a full on traffic jam. Like I took a shortcut and ended up putting my car in park and just turned my music up so loud just because I'm like, well, I'm going to be here for 20 minutes. Yep. And it was, yeah, it was crazy. Oh, that was the, uh, the remote testing one. Like they had remote locations testing in the park. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah the drive through ones. Yeah, yeah, the drive-thru ones in Melbourne are great. I don't know why they don't do more of that in WA because you don't get out of your car, you don't hold doors open for little old ladies and you don't touch the lift buttons trying to find the one room in the entire hospital that you need to go to. So, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I know why they don't do it in WA, more of that. It's because uh, I think we've closed our borders to, to <laughs> yeah. everyone yeah. and it's really hard to get into, as, as you know. Yep. Um, and I feel, I feel like we're probably in a situation where is, if there is an outbreak in WA, it's going to be like wildfire. Yeah, sad, we're not, true. We're not actually holding like any of those standards anymore. So we can go pretty much anywhere like normal as long as we check in with the WA Safe app so yep. people know where you are. But in general, like there's no restrictions on, on what we're doing. So that sort of leads me to, you know, Obviously, you live in Melbourne now. So, what what do you feel like is is the difference between right now Perth and, and Melbourne? Uh, you're a lot more constricted in what you do in Melbourne still. Uh, obviously, the whole wearing a mask everywhere. People here only have to wear it at the airport, I think. But uh, over where we are, it's you've got to wear it if you're. I think they've just taken it away from wearing it in your office, which is nice. But um, like my partner works uh, for Nestle. She works at a literally in a chocolate factory. And so she had to wear a mask from nine to five every day for the better part of, I think, five months. Yeah, wow. So you wouldn't have any idea how bad that is for your skin as well. Like she just like always breaking out, like sweating, spots and yeah. sweats all over her face. Um, anyway, but um, differences between here and there, I, 
light and day. Like, where do you even start? Like, it's just like return to normal service here. Apart from scanning in on the barcodes occasionally, it's there's like nothing here to suggest that there was even a pandemic going on. Like I was at a pub last night, everyone's out, everyone's having beers, everyone's sitting next to each other, shaking hands, slapping each other's backs. Hey man, try this drink. It's so funny. Like, like <laughs> that sort of stuff. Oh yeah, that's nice. I might go get one. Like it just doesn't even happen in Melbourne. Like we didn't even get to go to the pub for three months. Like totally, totally different. Uh, almost c- couldn't even compare the two. It's that different at the moment. Yeah. Well, probably the last thing I want to talk about quarantine and COVID, unless Sammy has anything else is, do you think there's going to be any sort of lasting effects? Like, is is there a new norm? Yeah, I hope so in some areas. Um, one of them being just like general sanitization and, and the fact that I hope we will be a lot better at just keeping germs to ourselves in the future. Yep. So kids will get less snotty noses at daycare and you, know, you just get less colds essentially. So I think a lot of people always used to look down their nose when you'd see an Asian person at the shops wearing a mask. You go, oh, you know, this isn't Hong Kong, mate. Like you're not going to get sick. Little did we know that they were actually doing it because they're already sick. They're trying to stop everyone else from getting their germs. It's actually incredibly selfless what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, and in Melbourne, it went from being like, if you were the guy at Coles wearing a mask, you're a bit of a weirdo. Within the space of a week or two, if you didn't have the mask on, you were the weirdo. Like yeah. that came so quickly. So hopefully people will continue to wear masks if they, uh, if they are, you know, have a cold or whatever and you're on a plane or you're going to work going to Coles, hopefully the masks stay up and I think you're going to see hand sanitizer on every desk everywhere yeah, for yeah. the next few years. Like That's just going to hopefully stick around. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just think it's been pretty... Some of this, like, the rules, like you were saying, are pretty um, hilarious. Like watching the basketball now, like they have to wear face masks when they're on the bench. Yeah. But when they're running around playing five-on-five five contact basketball, they don't have yeah. to wear their masks. The inconsistencies... <laughs> They just seem really weird, don't they? Yeah. And the mixed messaging from government as well. Like, I love sport and I, I want to see sport happen. So it doesn't matter what sport that is, tennis, cricket, volleyball, if you can play it, great. But on one hand, we had the New South Wales government saying no more than 1,000 people are allowed at an outdoor sporting event. And then the very next day saying we're going to have 10,000 at the cricket. Like, they've got to stop with the mixed messaging um, and we're seeing a little bit of that with the tennis, obviously. So many people are struggling to get back to the country right now. Residents are struggling to get back. Yep. Uh, and then they just allow like 1,200 people in to Melbourne. Most, uh, Some of them, three planes already, have, have people on them that have tested positive. Yeah, I so that. Yeah, you're just right. completely breaking your own rules when you go and do that. How can you expect the entire population to follow along? It just doesn't seem like good leadership, I guess. But that's... Um, that's a whole that's a, a podcast yeah, that we could go a, down yeah, if we yeah, go down that pathway. Unqualified. Yeah, 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 opinions <laughs> unqualified. Me as an unqualified professional in this scenario, <laughs> the only qualification I have is a, a ton of quarantine. <laughs> yeah, so I'd like to think if anyone's not got it, it's going to be the guy who's six weeks inside staring at the wall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it rained today, Sam. It did. It, did. it was weird. It was weird rain. <laughs> like, it was. It was that hot weather rain where it's just real heavy drops. Mm. Actually, I've never really noticed that about. But you've just made a really good point. When it rains on hot days like muggy days, the drops are big. Yeah, yeah. big tropical. Splats. Yeah, big yeah, tropical, tropical drops, drops. Yeah, yeah. like bullets. You know, it's like when you're watching a, a movie and they've got these drops. They look like those movie drops that hit, and then, then they just explode <laughs> when they hit the, hit the ground. Yeah. Um. So a couple of things. So I was in the pool when it was raining today. Yeah. So the first thing I want to talk about: How good is swimming in the rain? Swimming in the rain. It's- 
definitely up there with one of the better experiences of swimming. Yep. <laughs> and I think it's quite funny when you're sort of in the water and your head's above the water and then the rain hits the water and then you're getting splashed up. <laughs> so it's sort of like this this whole um, this full encompassing experience when you're in it. So yeah, anyway. My, my, my best, uh, the funniest thing about it is I was at the beach today and it started raining and like... As soon as it started raining, people started leaving. And you're like, you don't realise that you've just been swimming in a whole body of water. <laughs> like, oh no, we're gonna get wet. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's, it's hilarious. Like as soon as like a couple of drops happen, like you just see all these people get up. I'm like, what have you been doing? Like, what have you been doing for the last half hour? <laughs> like, you can almost count the amount of times you've been swimming in the rain on one hand. It's yeah. so rare over here, particularly in WA, that you'd ever find yourself lucky enough to be swimming one day when it's actually raining. Yeah, the heavier I the better. Really, I felt really fortunate today. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like twice as refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> double the rain, double the water. <laughs> yes, I love it. That's cool. Um, oh, do you want to talk any about rain more? <laughs> um, sure. I mean, you could say what's your uh, top three swimming, Ooh, either okay. places or experiences. Ooh. First one that comes to mind straight away, I was in a hotel in Vietnam in a little place called Hue, uh, and it was mega. We had like one of those crazy, you know, Asian tropical storms come through, and we just happened to be sitting by the pool having beers, and it was so hot and humid, and we were just like, well, clearly, we're just going to hang here in the pool, and it was just, you know, one of those like instant flood style amounts of monsoonal weather that comes through. It was just like that. And it, would be, it was one of those swims that I'll never, ever forget because it was just completely awesome, hard to describe. It was thunder and lightning, and it was just like you're in it, you know? It was super cool. I, um, I was in Bali because I'm from Perth. <laughs> yeah. And I think I've, I've swum in rain in Bali multiple times. I think it might be an agent because of the tropical yeah. weather. Yeah, it just rains like every day in the Arvo. It rains, so you're sitting there, and you obviously have to stay at a place with a pool bar. Yeah. So you sit in the pool bar, you have a beer, and then it's raining on you. That's a pretty nice experience. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, I was in oh, Shark Bay, I think, um, earlier in the middle of the year, and it was um, it was three of us, and then it was it was pissing down, but it was still pretty hot. There was a few people like sitting out there, and we just checked in the hotel, and we only um, were staying for one day, and so we we're like, well, we've got to swim, like you know, we're here for one day, we've got to make most of it, you know, and the the, the um, hotel owner dudes like you guys are crazy like what are you going out there for I'm like mate we've got one day like yeah making the most hot. of it like the water's nice like <laughs> so we went in and it was like yeah everyone was like looking at us like crazy we're like why would you for a swim anyway yeah. we're gonna get wet <laughs> if it's hot enough who cares but yeah no it's pretty funny i was uh when you're talking about best places to swim though i guess i was in darwin once and i went into kakadu and you know you can go in or was it Litchfield? One of the two. One of the two national parks up there, and you can go swimming in, in the creeks where the waterfalls are. And that's mega. Pretty, yeah, that's pretty yeah. spectacular. That was probably. You got to pick your waterholes carefully up there. You do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you sort of go there. You look for crocodiles. Yeah. Like, no, it doesn't seem to be yeah, any crocodiles. We're good on this one. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how many stories there are of people getting chewed by crocodiles. Yeah, well, that'd be pretty interesting. Oh, right? you wouldn't even know how many of there'd be. I think sharks cop all the bad rep, you know, here and particularly in WA for being, you know, the cold-hearted killers, but they got nothing on crocodiles. Crocodiles up there would have, there'd be so many incidents that happen with crocodiles that you'd even know about, I reckon, up there. Yeah. What's the um, hippo one? 
like hippos are the most dangerous animal or like on earth yeah the most deaths or something yeah they like do yeah 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 crazy yeah Glad we, we don't have hippos. hippos. <laughs> 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 and they just get massive teeth, big drawers. And they're fast, man. Like, they're so, so they like, fast. Yeah. So they literally just chase people and just yep. chomp them. Yeah, I think I it's more like, I think like most animals, it's more to do if they have little ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I don't think they're after like trying to eat you or anything. No, it's just is more kill you to get them away from the like, kids. Yeah. Is it weird that I kind of want to see like... That happen. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I just want to see like... Well, maybe not a human, but like I do want to just see a hippo. I've seen a hippo get a crocodile before. I was yeah, just about to ask, who do you reckon would win in a fight between a hippo and a crocodile? Yeah, the hippo wins. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so if the hippo can get that crocodile in his mouth, that's like that's dangerous for that. that if anything crocodile. can take down a crocodile, you know it, it means business. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Absolutely. The only absolutely. thing that I would say that can compete with swimming in the rain is um, have you ever seen? Do you know what um, phosphorescence is? Like the glowing, glowing yeah, yeah, yeah. That, like glow dust that you yeah. get in the water. Yeah. So it's sort of like when the coral spawning up in places like Exmouth or on the Barrier Reef on the East Coast. Yeah. Right. And you see that sort of like bright bluey green, almost like dust in the water. Um, I was lucky enough to go swimming in Exmouth once where That's that happened. Amazing. It was like middle of the night, two in the morning. Hey, let's go to the beach because it's hot. And didn't even know it was going to happen until we just like put a foot in the water. And it was like a scene out. Remember that movie Avatar? Yes. Where like everything just like touches and bright blue and it's like neon. It was sort of like that. And if you swam in the water, you had this big blue trail coming behind you. It was like... It's like you're weed in the it's water. really weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that, what they always say. He did it. <laughs> it's the only thing that can top swimming in the rain is swimming with like phosphorescence around you. It's completely spinny. Yeah, that would be. That, that would be an experience to have for sure. I can't compete with that. It happens apparently really rarely. Like... I was that the people I was swimming with in Exmouth had lived there for like ten years and never seen it. Oh wow! And just by chance, the one night that we were there, it was sort of happening. Did you buy a lotto ticket? I should have. Yeah, <laughs> I think I used all my luck up on that. Clearly. <laughs> uh, um, I want to talk about you know we talk about fruit all the time. Yeah. yeah. And we've had the strawberries and raspberries, and strawberries won. Sam, I just want to remind you again oh, the strawberries won by a significant margin. I'm still yeah. heartbroken about it. Yeah. So Sam's a raspberry guy and you know, strawberries are better. Um, <laughs> we want to talk about cherries. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to discuss uh, cherries. When I hear cherry, the first thing I, I hear of, think of is that Warrant song, like, she's my cherry <laughs> <laughs> no, It just comes to my mind every single time. I always think yeah. of Japan. Yeah, right. Makes it guess it makes sense for whatever reason. I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I reckon Japan would have great cherries. (laughs) I reckon it would too. Um, Probably what the thing with cherries that I always think outside of the Warrant song, which I still think's a banger. (laughs) That's an absolute banger. um, Is that you can get fresh cherries. Yeah. And then you can get the glazed cherries, and they're so different. Yeah. Well, when I brought forward the cherry talk, I I did not even think about the uh, glazed ones. Oh really? So yeah, you're thinking was, I was fresh cherries I was all the flat way. Flat out fresh. Yeah. Do you know the thing about a cherry? And we had this conversation with strawberries. Is that they're nice and fleshy, and that's what makes cherry good. Like you, you can have a few cherries and you feel like you've eaten something. Whereas with a raspberry, you eat them and you feel like you're eating clouds or something. So. Yeah, because you're on cloud nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get that. I I would deduct a point from the cherry simply because it's got a pip in it. Yes. Or a stone in it. It does, yeah. I feel like point. anything, like same with olives, anything where you need to go fishing in your own mouth to like retrieve something. Mm. And you can't just give it to a kid, be like, you know, three-year-old kid, here, eat this. 
because this is something in there that you'll probably choke on. You gotta like fish the thing out of there, yeah. give him the cherry with it like broken in half or something. <laughs> Delicious, yes. Slightly pain in the ass also. Well, I think like they're a bit of work as well because of the stem. So you've got the stem. The you have to oh. the stem out. Speaking like, of the stem, yeah. can you do the trick where you tie you tie the oh, knot? Nah. No, no. Nah. That's like next level cherry eating if you can tie <laughs> yeah, tie yeah, a tie knot in the stem. With the stem. I think people that yeah do that are good at other things as well. I'm not sure Explains why none of us can do it. So um as we were talking about this, we sort of have a little brief before we get on the pod, not much, but we start, oh, Sam brings up, you know, I want to talk about this, he brought up cherries. We spoke about the glazed cherries and the, the cherries. And then, Chad, you've brought up an interesting um, interesting point with the glazed cherries. Yeah, impossible to find. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, I've yeah. never found them ever. Yeah. So. If, it was like a quest. Yeah. It was like you had to like meet a gnome and then they had to answer three <laughs> riddles. Yeah. Turns out, baking aisle, like, okay, fair enough. But I, it's a fruit, so naturally I went to the fruit aisle yes. because I would have figured fruit would be in the fruit aisle. But no, apparently baking aisle. If ever you need to find glazed cherries, and one day it'll come up in your life and you'll need to find <laughs> glazed cherries, you'll thank me for this moment. You'll go straight to the baking aisle. Are they still classified as a fruit? When By they, that point? When they are, yeah. <laughs> they should like... be. <laughs> yeah, they should be. They're still a yeah. cherry. They yeah. don't taste like cherry. Yeah, they're, they're, that's they're... what I mean, like... The only time that I've ever seen them is on like a cake or something. You go to the bakery and they have a cherry on top and it's one of those, you know, or you, you get a, you know, like a birthday cake, particularly in the, the 90s. Yeah, I've they loved them. I've never seen them as much. They just love these glazed, glazed cherries yeah. and put them on. We had to find them for a Christmas cake, you know, fruit cake things that you make. Yep. Can't stand the stuff. But uh, it was my job to go and find everything for it and the, the day before I was put in quarantine. So um, again, went out and I was meant to find like glazed pineapples, glazed cherries, glazed apricots. Yeah, yeah, it turns out there's a whole range of them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cherries was the only one that I could find at Coles. The other two, God knows where they were going to be, but we we went without. (laughs) Yeah, I just just don't really get it. The thing about the Christmas cakes, so at my work, we must have got given five Christmas cakes. Well, you know, the, the... the lions ones and we love what lions do and there's nothing yep. against lions themselves but the cakes are disgusting so what we'd do is we'd get these cakes and we'd randomly put them in people's lunch bags so they'd take them home <laughs> so after lunch we'd go we'd your put them problem. in their lunch bag and then yeah. it's their problem and then the next morning someone would just come in and you see how angry they were because they ended up with one of these Christmas cakes and, and there's some people who genuinely love them like my girlfriend loves it like fruit cake who the hell would want to eat fruit in cake I just if you're going to have a cake, you just, you know, it's chocolate cake. Maybe I could have an argument for cheesecake. Ice cream is like the creme de la creme oh, of cake. Yeah. I mean, that's like ice cream cake is as good as it gets. Yes. Yeah. Yep. But I just see no, no argument for like, hey, let's make a cake. This fruit cake's super difficult to make and offers zero enjoyment to eat. Let's do it. Yeah. 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 I can't say that either. I can't remember the last time I've had a fruit cake. Really? Yeah. You've lived a good life. Yeah, you're lucky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> either we're not very festive. Or yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't see Mooka yeah. liking fruitcake either. Nah, so yeah. I think if, if your mum doesn't like it, then you ain't eating it. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. You're not missing much, man. <laughs> no, not yeah, like clearly. That, like, yeah. Apparently. My, my nan used to love fruitcake. So we'd have, we'd go around her place all year. I reckon she saved this fruitcake from Christmas. <laughs> and then it could have been November. And we're eating this fruitcake that's just that old. Um, but she'd have it with custard 
So what we do is because we didn't want to sort of feel bad as sort of we eat the custard around, say we're finished and throw the fruit cake in the garden. <laughs> yeah, fair but enough. Love the custard though, the custard. Was I, I I just associate fruit cake with old people. Like it's yeah. just like one of those like boiled lollies, fruit cake, <laughs> things lollies. that old people like. You know, <laughs> maybe that maybe that'll be us in like 30, 40 years. We'll hit a time in our life like maybe you turn seventy and it's like, oh my god fruitcake like, I get it now <laughs> I finally understand what this has all been about it's that acquired taste it just takes you like yeah. 60 years we're just too young to yeah that's yeah, it I guess I was, when I was 20 I didn't really like whiskey and now I love yep. it so. same with like uh, red wine like if you're a teenager yeah, you have a crack at it and it's like I don't get it but I yeah. just drink Stollies or UDLs <laughs> things <laughs> and then it's eventually Sam's still in that <laughs> 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 I are you sure, will, uh, you'll eventually get that red wine and you'll be like, you know what? Now I get it. I, I really understand. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. You'll I'll, be super cultured then. Yeah. I'll, you'll, you'll be hanging these a while, mate. You'll get there. <laughs> you'll get there eventually. Um, we usually each each week talk about something on on uh, on Netflix or, or Amazon or Disney or whatever. Um, we mentioned uh, a, a Netflix series or episode, movie, documentary. A docu series? What is it? Is yeah, it? I think a... it's a documentary. Documentary? I call it a documentary. Tony Parker. Yeah, Tony Parker, yeah. the last yeah. shot. So we mentioned this yeah. last week. So, so last night, uh, one of our greatest guests, Kyan, and I uh, sat up and, and watched it. And if you don't like subtitles, my advice is not to not to watch it. <laughs> or learn French yeah. before you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's in French, and I didn't know that when I started it. <laughs> but uh, we we got through it, and I thought it was a, a fantastic show. But probably the thing that sort of I latched on to the most was a couple of things, but the, is his just just relentless work ethic. And it all stemmed from him knowing in his own mind that he was going to make the NBA. Um, which leads to me another story. We're talking to um, our auntie out there today and she said, Tones and I, who's the artist, yeah. said to her friends at a concert that 12 months time she'd be on stage and she sort of willed herself to... To getting that, how much of achieving greatness do you think's just in the belief that you're going to achieve it? Well, I think it's massive. Like you look at anyone that's been successful, I'm sure, like the amount of people that would have told them like just take it easy or something like that, and they're just like nah. Because see, like all those days that you don't want to wake up and do something, they're waking up and just being like, I'm smashing this today. Like they just know it's part of their journey, and they just. Mm. I like tunnel vision. Yeah, self-belief's a funny thing. Um, I've always been lucky enough to sort of believe in myself and, and where I wanted to get to. And, and I've always had a very single-minded goal since I was in high school. So I've always chased, chased that dream that I want to get. And it's funny when you meet people who don't have it. Mm. Uh, and it was sort of confronting to meet someone who was like, oh, I don't think I can do this. And I don't think I'm cut out for this. And I don't think I'm, I'm ready to, to take on that next step or whatever it might be. I always found that quite interesting. And you try and talk them around to your way of looking at it and, and try to get them to buy into the self-belief that you have for yourself. And it's, it's actually quite a difficult thing to instill in someone. Yeah. It's yeah, that yeah. level of self-belief. And I guess I'm coaching's what I've, I do. Like mm. I'm, a, I'm a coach and, um, yeah, once you get to, to the higher levels, you, you find the athletes that have talent that don't have that self-belief are the ones that drop off first. So you feel like this kid could end up anywhere, could could play NBA. I've had kids I felt like were talented enough to get to the NBA. That's how, how good these kids were, but they just didn't have that motivation or drive or probably belief that they're going to make it. And I just, 
you know, Tony Parker said it really well where you say in the off season, you know, there'd be 24 people there on the, the first day when he'd go for his run and, and then the next day there'd be 16 and the day after there'd be six and then the day after that it'd just be him, you know, and he'd go, well, I'm built. He, I'm, he felt at that point yeah. that he knew that he was built differently and he had this desire to achieve something that was just next level. Yeah, it's um, self-belief is such a strange, strange thing like that and whether or not you, you either have it or you don't. I think, who do you reckon we get further in a career? Someone who has all of the talent but none of the self-belief or someone who's got none of the talent but all of the self-belief? I think, uh, I think it comes down to uh, what, what the career is to start with as well, like how, how long the journey is to, you know, and how long you can achieve at that level. So I think a lot of like high level sports, you know, you've still got to have some of the talent, but I think the person with less talent, more belief will achieve more than the person with more talent, less belief. Yeah, person. I agree. And then motivation on top of that is like the, the killer. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, the, the, the willingness and desire and the work ethic to get up and, and, and you know, do that, you know, 5K run. I've got a story. When I was playing at Waffle level, there was a guy I played with um, who we'd have a few beers, you know, on a Saturday night after we played. And when I say a few beers, we were in our early 20s. Yeah. Um, so we, <laughs> so general is a beer is two, a couple of beers is five, a few yeah. beers is infinity. Yeah. 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 And he'd still get up at, at 6 a.m. and go for like a 6K run. Yeah, right. Yeah, every single time he'd get up and go for the run, whereas I'd go for a run in my car to Macca's. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and, and then back to bed. Yeah, and that's yeah. the difference between him having a really, really long, successful career and, and then people like me heading to the country and, you know, really not probably achieving what we should have. Um, so, yeah, I just I think there's a, a thing to be said for the people that are motivated to, to do the work, no matter what situation or what scenario. So he could still have the fun. And obviously, he monitored what he was doing, but he'd get up in the morning and do what was needed to done so that he could play at the highest level. And, you know, I thought that was pretty impressive. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was real good. And obviously, um, all of this conversation was um, brought out from that documentary, which I think is good for people to watch and, and see how he went through it. And I think it's, it's kind of good, not that you... But you kind of evaluate yourself after watching that a bit as well. You're yeah. a bit like, oh, like... Should I? I could have played more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I'm lazy. Yeah, yeah. That's why I'm so keen to go and watch the new Tiger Woods doco. That's an HBO documentary as well, and that's going to be on Foxtel, and uh, I think it's on demand on there as well. Get a little Fox Sports plug-in. Um, <laughs> but uh, his his ability to just grind. You know, yes, he had the natural talent, but what a lot of people don't know about Tiger is the the injuries that he had along the way, which meant that he had to change his swing. And if you're a golfer, your swing is everything. Yeah. Like it's like one day, you know, you shoot the ball right hand. The next day you're going to learn how to shoot it left-handed for the rest of your career mm. and then teach yourself how to do it differently again. Like it's, he's had to change his swing three or four times to combat the injuries and the different parts of his game that he wanted to fix. And that workload that goes into that oh, yeah. just at hours. the range every day, he'd be there hours before his coach would even get there. And it's amazing that people like Tiger Woods even have a coach because you just think, well, what could you possibly teach Tiger Woods about <laughs> golf? But he's always been very picky with his coaches and caddies for that reason because they need to be able to run at his level. And that's a pretty, pretty steep level. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know, when you think about how long he owned that sport, like that's just unheard of. It's sort of like Federer and tennis, like that guy, how long he's been around and just how long he's been at the top of his game. It's just unbelievable. You look at those people and go, man, and you, you yeah. Freaks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what... Yes, they've got talent to be able to do it, but what amazes me more than anything at an athlete that survives for 20 years is just the motivation that they must have to stay on top. 
I see it in motorsport. Uh, you'd be amazed how much work goes behind the scenes in motor racing, particularly when it comes to not just training your, your body, obviously, they've got to be fit guys, but looking at the data. So seeing I could have braked five meters later into that corner and my teammate was turning the wheel, you know, X percentage through there and he's at full throttle two meters before I'm getting there. And it's just a simple matter of if you're willing to sit there longer than anyone else and look at squiggly lines all night, then you will actually go faster than on the racetrack the next day. And so the guys like Jamie Winkup in supercars who have won it seven times the championship and have been there 15 years as one or two of the best guys in the sport just have an unbelievable amount of motivation to go at that level every day, which is um, something that I wish I had in, in me would be like that level of motivation to just stay at the top. I think it's why you see so many guys win a championship or they get the medal, they, they do what they wanted to do, they finally have that win in Formula One and then they drop off because they've achieved what they wanted to achieve and they don't have the motivation to keep going at that level for what comes next. Yep. Yeah, no, just, they're built differently. And I think that's the thing with Tony was, I'm built differently. Yeah, <laughs> you know? he, he was as well. Yeah. Still spewing that he claims France and not Belgium, but you know. Yeah, he was born in Belgium, <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll save that. For yeah, well, you mentioned Belgium again, well done. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, episode 39. And do, you get 39? Disgu- do you want to get disgusted in there no, as well you... while you can? We've got, we got some time left. <laughs> That's mate, you've, you've actually said it for me. Yeah, I know. Um, so we've got to that stage, Sammy. So I just want to say a big thank you to Chad for coming on the pod. Um, 45 minutes goes quick, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I uh, didn't think you'd expect to, to be playing, um, uh, talking about cherries. Yeah, yeah, amongst other things. Yeah, um, and yeah, uh, get on our, uh, our socials. All right, opinions unqualified. Uh, follow Chad. if you don't follow Chad. Follow Chad. He wants to catch the cousin. Uh, so we'll yeah, yeah, yeah. I need three times the uh, followers I've got to be able to catch her at yeah. the moment. So, so hit me up on Instagram. Yeah. and we only need about fifty-five times our number to get there as well. So <laughs> if we if we started with a weird noise, can we finish with a weird noise? Absolutely, we definitely will. I'll say this is definitely <laughs> since we're sitting in a garage surrounded by motorbikes. <laughs> All right, sure. Let's do it. This is what a Kawasaki sounds like in a garage. <laughs>